0: The I Am Independent podcast with Loretta and Bianca. Stories, advice and discussions to resource, encourage and support independent music artists.
1: Welcome back to the I Am Independent podcast. Well, here we are with... Season four, we nearly didn't come back, believe it or not. We thought, are we repeating ourselves? Have we said all there is to be said? And of course, the answer is no. There is so much more to learn. The music industry is ever changing. And one thing's for sure, independent artists are always gonna need knowledge and support and encouragement. So here we are, and we're really pleased to bring you some great guests covering new topics, but also old topics at new angles as well. As always, you can contact us with any suggestions of topics you'd like us to cover or any questions at all. On Instagram, you can find us at We Are Independent Artists. You can also email us on info at iamindependent.co.uk, and there's lots of information on our website and our YouTube channel as well. So grab a pen, sit back, relax, and enjoy. howdy hello how you doing
0: uh i'm good I have a busy 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 time but it's like that with music isn't it like you have well for me anyway you have these really busy times and then it's quiet and then you're just like what am i doing with my life and then it's busy again
1: i like this kind of year though because at this time of year because december like christmas time i feel it's the only time that the music industry really shuts down like you know summer you still get in the emails and there's the festivals and things like that but literally everyone goes on holiday genuinely for at least two solid weeks so I can not feel guilty about not looking at an email or anything so the, the wind down towards Christmas is very welcoming and it's a nice
0: it's nice that the wind down is at this time of the year because I know everyone feels differently about Christmas itself but it is generally a nice time of the year so for it to be a bit quiet um work-wise, it's, it's a nice time for it to be quiet.
1: Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Now, I know you're playing it cool, but you are so excited about our podcast guest today, aren't you? Well, the topic. Literally so
0: excited. Because what it is... Is I have to hold all this stuff in, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to be talking and seeing the glazed looks, you know what I mean? I'm not, in, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sensitive to a vibe, so I just like when I talk, when I talk about NFTs and crypto and stuff, like I just, I just keep to, to myself or me and my sister, are like oh, I'm texting, oh my gosh, Bitcoin, have you seen? Bitcoin? I literally got text message from my sister. Bianca, Bitcoin, ETH, I'm like, and that's all, We it's one word right now, we don't need sentences, we know what each other means, so to have a long-form conversation with somebody about this space, listen, you can hear it, you can hear it, you can feel it.
1: I've got a feeling, I mean, not that I've been against it, but I have been one, definitely one of those glazed people with you, and I feel like I'm going to owe you an apology after this. And definitely, I feel like this could potentially be life-changing for me because I've known in the back of my mind, this is something at some point I'm going to have to listen to and try and understand properly. And thankfully, we've got a guest who's going to break it all down for us. Um, So I'm actually excited as well, because I think this is going to be a turning point for me today when we speak to Des later.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. It is really exciting. And it kind of leads into my win for this week. um, Because I feel like my win is that I'm always late to all the things. Like, I'm still late. I'm not interested in TikTok. Don't even talk to me about TikTok. I'm not late. I'm, I'm just not interested. I'm resistant. But for all the things, be it anything like Instagram, investing, like anything new, like I'm resistant to the change because change is really inconveniencing. Like it I, you know you just start something new, it's just like, okay, yeah, now Instagram's a thing, and you've got to learn how that works, like why can't Instagram be the thing forever why does why does, <laughs> why does it have to? Why does it have to be something new? But the thing is is that I feel like I'm still late, but I got into i I went on my learning curve with crypto and learning about blockchain and decentralized currencies, etc, at the beginning of the year. And that is late. Oh, had I done it last year or the year before, my life would be changed right now. But I got in in the beginning of the year um, and I would de- I did a deep dive. When I, then I learned what I needed to learn to just step my foot into starting to invest and understand about this metaverse um, crypto currency world. And... And now it's this thing that it seems as though everybody is trying to learn about it because it seems obvious that it is here to stay. It's like a, another big step change in sort of our global um, experience and you're not going to be able to ignore it in the future. So my win is that for once, for once, I'm only slightly ahead of, ahead of the curve. I'm not really ahead because I heard about Bitcoin years ago and I was like, I was watching like makeup videos and there's one girl, talk, do, and I'm watching her makeup video years and years ago and then she started talking about Bitcoin. And I'm like, sis, this is not why I'm here. Do you know what I mean? I'm not here for this. But, so after, I am late, but I'm not. Late, late. And actually right now, nobody's late because it's still like, it's still new.
1: Cool. Okay. Well, I'm, I am slowly being sold to on this. Um, What's your (laughs) win or challenge? Yes. Yes. Well, well, I've got a challenge, Um, but I'm going to kind of spin this back on our listeners today because it is a challenge, but in a good way, like challenges aren't always don't have to be negative. Um, To challenge ourselves we can often be good and I think even talking about coming towards the end of the year then it's natural that we start wanting to have a fresh start and looking ahead to our hopes and dreams for for next year and it's a good time for the annual reminder that we usually give you with I'm Independent to do your 12-month plan. So over the next month or so, I'm going to be meeting with all of my artists. And um, as I've spoken about before, you know, we have kind of the dream things that we can't imagine happening and having a list of those. But also having some things that we think, okay, if we work hard, we could see that happening. And um, it's all about having that plan, um, looking ahead. None of us knows what's in the future. So this is not set in stone um but it gives you a guide it gives you something to aim for it, it on those months when you're like what are we doing what are we aiming for you can pull out the plan and go okay it pings you back to focus uh, even in terms of what music you want to put out and when just roughly having that kind of blueprint so yeah my challenge is as I do that with my artists um before the end of the year for next year just to challenge you if you're listening to um yeah start your 12 month plan and we, we do have um a podcast before specifically on that we've got a video on that as well um so yeah that's my challenge to myself and to you to do your 12 month plan for 2022 I was gonna ask you just really quickly do you
0: do do you do one for yourself every year
1: you know I don't usually for myself every year um last year I did a, a kind of loose five-year plan but actually, you know, in terms of business, I probably should do a twelve. I think because my business is working, you know, with my five artists, then their twelve-month plans become my twelve-month plans. But I do have some, uh, a bit of a five-year plan in terms of my bigger dream, in terms of safe music management and some of the stuff with I Am Independent, of course, as well. Um, but yeah, thanks for the challenge. Yes,
0: do it for yourself, girl. Okay, we're gonna get into it. I'm excited. Hi guys, welcome to the I Am Independent podcast with Loretta and Bianca. We have a very special and exciting guest today. I'm really excited about what we're gonna talk about. I don't really get to talk about it as much with my friends because like their eyes glaze over, but um, I'm excited that we're gonna to get to have free reign um, talking to Ades, um, who is an artist manager. He um, is doing a PhD um, in music streaming And most excitingly, is kind of an expert on NFTs and the crypto space, the metaverse, blockchain and how um, important that is becoming in our lives. And we want to talk about that in relation to music and independent artists. So um, buckle your seatbelts. We're (laughs) going to get into it. (laughs)
1: Thank you so
0: much. How are you?
2: Yeah, I'm um, still live so far, with
0: the day. How about yourself? <laughs> We're good. We're excited to be talking to you today. Um, it's, I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation and one that I hope um, artists will, or our listeners will like, you know, stick with to the end of the conversation, even if it's talking about things they've never heard before um, and that maybe seem a bit irrelevant to them right now.
2: Yeah, Mm. I'll I'll try and um, make it as digestible as possible.
0: Yeah, it isn't (laughs) the easiest thing if you don't know. Like, there's a lot of jargon and uh, it's just... It's like talking another language, isn't it?
2: Oh, 100%. And there is a sharp learning curve to this space, but... Once you kind of come into it, knowing that you know nothing, then you're halfway there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, everybody is there for everybody to use. But yeah, we'll get into that anyway.
1: It's interesting. We've got so many things to speak to you about, Des, and I, I honestly don't know how you do all of the things that you do. You're obviously a real high achiever type person, but also somebody who kind of forecasts and looks ahead, which is something sometimes artists don't tend to do. They very much live in the moment with their music and independent artists in particular, because a lot of it, Feels restricted due to funding. So we can only think short term in, in some respects. But if I'm completely honest, just like Bianca said in her intro, I was and still am that person who glazes over. Yet there has been this niggling thing in the back of my mind like, you need to get your head around this cryptocurrency thing. And Bianca has tried to talk to me about it. I had a friend who's a musician who, a good few years ago um tried talking to me about it and I was just like that just doesn't sound like a thing I don't even get it but obviously you are somebody who jumped on this fairly early you also are passionate about telling other people about it and, and even it's led to a business for you what even got your attention in the first place that made you think you know you're you're an academic that made you think no this is this is a serious thing because to me I was like that just sound like a joke thing that's not even a thing
2: yeah um so yeah my story is a bit random so just a bit of, just to put a bit of context um, i started off my career as a scientist so i was a biomedical scientist and i specialized in microbiology and biology and um, before i made my move into artist management and so that's just um what happens when you have unnecessarily strict African parents who who I would say force, but I'll say guide you down the route of doing sciences. <laughs> and so um, all of my siblings, we all ended up coming up with science degrees, and I ended up um, being a, a state registered biomed. So I was working in Oxford University Hospitals at the time, and this was like almost 10 years ago, and I will never forget it, and I'm going to give this guy a shout-out. His name's called Astiak. He's a virologist now at King's College. Well, I remember we were walking down heaven to High Street, and he was a prolific smoker and he was like this have you heard of this internet currency called bitcoin i was like no what is it and he goes yeah it's this thing that i went and bought um, for about 30 quid on ebay you should jump into it and i was like okay then that, that sounds interesting but obviously i didn't jump into it at the time i was like trying to save up to do my msc i said like, i ain't got time for this internet money stuff and so yeah long story cut short a few years went down the line and then i ended up um actually getting shamed into the market to put it politely because um somebody on my facebook he i won't name him but um, he's like a poker champion player and at the time he just put on a status messaged me if you want an, if you want bitcoin so i was like oh, i've heard of this bitcoin thing my mate told me about it but i just didn't have the time to go into it so i just thought oh do you know what i'll just send him a, a dm so i messaged him and i said oh hey mate how do i buy bitcoin from you he goes He's like all right send me your wallet address and these are my bank's details and then afterwards I'll send me some cash and i'll send you some bitcoin and i was like what's the wallet address and then he sent me an exodus wallet um link and he was like yeah that's your wallet tell me when you've sent the money and i was like how do i know if i received it like and i started asking him like 101 questions and then literally he responded to me yes i don't think that you should be in this market because you have no idea what's going on so i'm not going to sell you any bitcoin and i was just like Who are you to tell me what I can and can't do with my money? So after that, I just ignored him. And I just went down a rabbit hole of trying to find out everything and everything, anything and everything about this space, about Bitcoin. So what is Bitcoin? Where did it come from? What's the hype behind it? And all of that jazz. And as I'm just quite a naturally inquisitive person, I just like to get to the root of things, because if I don't understand something, I won't stop until I do. That's why I'm doing my PhD. And so yeah so that's what i pretty much did and then i kind of realized like at the time bitcoin was about it was under a thousand dollars and i was like i remember buying it uh, and trying to buy this other crypto um, at the time called xrp mm. and um, and i was basically one of the first uk users of this crypto exchange called Binance back in 2017 purely because there was no other cryptocurrency exchanges at the time that i could find in the uk that would allow me to buy um, XRP. And so that kind of led me down the rabbit hole of, okay, then buying Bitcoin, because at the time there was this other crypto exchange called Coinbase, where it was the only place that you could easily buy cryptocurrencies without having the need to have a wallet. And so I went on there and at the time they were selling three cryptocurrencies, which is what Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin, and also Bitcoin Cash, actually. So I remember buying my Bitcoin, sending it onto an exchange, trading it in for this other cryptocurrency and just holding it. And then at that time, there was a massive bull market. And then I ended up making a lot of money. And then I thought, I'm going to become a millionaire. And then afterwards, I ended up losing a lot of money because the market came crashing down. Can
1: I just stop you there, Des? Because I'm still already, my brain's going, what? Like, what made you confident? Like, Even if it wasn't thousands of pounds, if it was hundreds of pounds like I there's no way somebody like and even with your friend saying to you oh here's the thing tell me when your money's in I'm like I'm not giving you money just for for what (laughs) where's the thing I can't hold the thing in my hand like what made you feel confident enough to take that calculated risk to think this is worth I can you know you were still studying at the time Like, that's still crazy to me. Like, I don't think there's many people, and it might be my mentality around money. And is there a way of thinking that stops people from investing in these new kind of things?
2: Oh, 100%, great question. So for me, I actually have a high appetite for risk, Mm. purely because at the time, I had nothing nothing to lose. And in my head, I was like, you can't fall from the bottom, so you might as well just start. And so, I mean, what's, for me, what's 10 pounds, 20 pounds, that's like a... That's like a couple of drinks. And so I kind of had to rephrase how or reframe how I kind mean, of viewed this because bearing in mind that she said, like, uh, everybody kind of believes that money has to be tangible, it has to be something that you use. But then at the time, I was like, so what does actually money mean? What is actually money? And when you break it down, like a pound coin, do you know why it's called a pound? It's, it's because it's supposed to be worth a pound of silver. And so, try and buy a pound of silver now, how much is it worth? Mm -hmm. It's like hundreds or thousands of pounds or whatever. And that is because the value of the pound has decreased over time because of this thing called quantitative easing, which is basically where the UK government or governments around the world just constantly print money and make it out of absolutely nothing when it's actually supposed to be pegged to the value of something tangible like gold, silver, oil, in order to maintain its value. But every time they print money, they don't loot the currency. And so in my head, I was like, okay, then, so if these guys are able to do that with ease, then obviously they have no respect for that currency, which is the pound. So therefore, why should I respect that currency? I should just go into this other currency where obviously there is a set num, there's a set amount of crypto. And I suppose this is where I get into explaining what Bitcoin is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, um. At the time, obviously, Bitcoin came about in 2009, uh, created by a person, he, she, it, they, we don't know, somebody called Satoshi Nakamoto, who basically um, created by a uh, Crypto off the back of the 2008 crash, 2009 crash, where because of this issue of debasement um, and the currencies being um, diluted and the banks basically giving out loans that they couldn't afford to, to people who couldn't afford to pay it back. The basically the markets crashed and so as a result of that banks got bailed out so they basically got um, rewarded for making mistakes which is a ridiculous thing in itself so i'm not going to go into that and so basically this person he or she or they remained anonymous and created um, a new currency called bitcoin now the crazy thing about bitcoin is that it basically the reason why everybody was so excited about it was because it sold this year-long like century-old issue called the Byzantine general problem, which is basically where it's like, how do you get people who don't know each other, don't trust each other to basically work together? And that's what Bitcoin solves. And it does this through a mechanism or a protocol called proof of work. And so for simplicity's sake, let's just say that what proof of work is, is that it's, um, it's basically where your computer... In fact, let's take it back. Um, quick question. Um, do you know what the protocol that the internet is, is written on? No. Nope. <laughs> HTTP? Oh, yes. oh yeah. <laughs> so, that's, so that's the protocol. <laughs> yeah. And so, likewise, Bitcoin is written on like this protocol called like the proof of work in, in layman's terms. And so, how it works is that you basically, in order to prove that you're working on the Bitcoin blockchain, you basically have to do an equation, which is only smart enough. For your computers to do and so the first equation next for simplicity's sake say it's one plus one that equals two you get that right you get given bitcoin so then the next equation two plus two equals four Your computer gets that right you get another 50 bitcoin now the thing is there's only ever going to be 21 million bitcoin ever going to be available that's it unlike the British Pound, the US Dollar, all the other fiat currencies. Fiat basically means like normal currencies. These are controlled by central governments that can just print it and dilute the value. With Bitcoin, it can't be printed. The only way you can get Bitcoin is through doing proof of work. And so actually doing the work. And so what happens is that the reason why Bitcoin is so valuable is because what Satoshi Benton wrote in in the code was that every four years, um, from around approximately four years or set amount of equations, the amount of Bitcoin reduces by half that the rewards that you get. And so it will go from like back in 2009 to 2013, you will get 50 Bitcoin every time a computer went and did an equation. And then after that, it reduced. It's called a Bitcoin halving. And so from then 2013, 2017, um, it reduced in half again. So it went from 20. From 50 bitcoin to 25 and from 25 to 12.5 and then last year it was from 12.5 to 6.25 and so it's going to continuously reduce reduce the number and obviously as the equations get harder that requires more energy for their computers to work to solve the equation which is proof of work and then as a result the value that that the
1: bitcoin is worth increases because obviously it requires more energy in order to solve
2: these equations and so That's why the value of the current value of Bitcoin is what about 50,000 pounds, like almost $70,000. And that's how much it costs in order to mine one Bitcoin. And so, because of that, this is why people are just like, buy a Bitcoin, just hold on to it. Because the, the end game when Bitcoin reaches its final form is when it gets to like $1 million. And then one Satoshi is like, which is the unit in which Bitcoin currency is measured in. Would be worth one dollar. And so this is why everyone's just like, if you hold one Bitcoin, then you're basically a millionaire because it's hopefully going to reach a million dollars in the next 10 to 5 years, 5 to 10 years. And obviously, there's not enough Bitcoin in the world for every person to have one. And so this is why they just say, just hold one because that's going to be enough. But obviously, what happened with Bitcoin is that it's like, because it was the first technology, blockchain technology. Um, it's not often considered the best or the most economic or the less envi- best, most environmental. So this is where you had other offshoots of other altcoins that basically came out and did a lot more efficient jobs than Bitcoin. So like you had Ethereum, which became like the first programmable um, blockchain. Then you had a Cardano, then you had XRP, then you had all of these different iterations and different generations of cryptocurrencies that came out off the back of that. And so and then because obviously it requires a lot of energy in order to mine bitcoin people thought there had to be better ways and more environmentally friendly ways in order to mine bitcoin or mine crypto and so there were other protocols invented like proof of work i mean sorry proof of stake and and like proof of attendance and proof of a whole bunch of other proofs and that are out there that are kind of helping guide where the system is going to and so that kind of leads us to where we are now where obviously there's a whole bunch of programmable blockchains and where nfts are kind of coming which was originally built on the ethereum network which basically changed absolutely everything um, hopefully that makes
1: sense. Yeah, I've never heard that before. It, do, I actually followed that, so yeah, I, I'm the the test dummy. I was about to say, I
0: was about to say, how did that sound for you? Did you get a little bit of more of a grasp mm. of what Bitcoin
1: is? Yeah, yeah.
0: The crypto land. It's so interesting because I think for, say, an artist. Um, listening to this or any like an individual listening to this who's in the music space I think you're listening to it as an individual as a human going okay is this something that I want to invest my own money in um, as a a place to you know make my money make money and to build for my own future and then is is this metaverse you know blockchain world something that I, I want to Learn how to innovate on or how to create within, um, you know. Um, so there's like two strands, and I think what's great about w- where we started is is just understanding the conception like the beginning of how you know what is this world and how in some ways it's come about, and um, especially as an independent artist, I think. Um, making money is important and sort of building a um secure future or something that you you know put your money somewhere where it's going to be helping you
2: whilst you're creating is is really important 100 percent. and just to add to that i think coming back to the point when i asked about the protocols and stuff like the the crazy thing about this space is that it gives you the opportunity to own the internet like Mm -hmm. i always say to us people if you had the chance to, let's go back to 1994 or 1995 when Amazon first came out, if you had the chance to invest in the internet or Amazon, what would you invest in? It would have been the internet yeah. at that point. Exactly, you'd invest in the internet because without the internet, Amazon wouldn't be there. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: And so you want to be able to invest on the foundations that, amazon google all of those yeah. companies have been built on and that's basically what you're investing yeah. in now and so it's the protocols that you're investing in bitcoin you invest it's like investing in the internet ethereum you're investing in the internet Cardano, investing in the internet but the crazy thing is is that with with traditional stocks and shares it's like you have to be part of a club if you didn't have a hundred grand two hundred grand millions or didn't have like that one person who was part of that club who could tell you what to buy you weren't getting invited, there was no chance for you to make generational
1: wealth. Whereas with cryptocurrencies, because it's so new and the
2: the bridge in order to kind of get involved is so small and it's it's easy for actually anybody to, like, get involved and buy a crypto. And especially because all the information is there from, on YouTube and Google, it's all there and it's all free. You can literally spend the time to be able to actually learn about this and actually go and invest. Like... I've, I've been really fortunate to go into the space early in comparison to many Chris people, brother. and I remember I, like, I invested by like, putting in a hundred pounds into one particular crypto asset, and then within like a few months, it went like, to five figures, and I was just like, okay then, so if this is possible, where else is there that's possible, and why is it that did this happen? And so, and this is what you're giving the opportunity to. And so you can invest in the the foundation and then you can invest on the apps that are built on top of that as well, which are also very lucrative. And then you can invest in other apps that are built on those apps as well, which is also very lucrative. And so it's like you're basically, as independents, we're now giving the opportunity to own the platforms and own what it is that we're creating. And that kind of comes comes into NFTs as a whole. So, Mm. yeah. 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 Let
0: me know if you want to get into that. Um, I do. I just wanted to quickly caveat that um, we're having like this conversation, um, and it's like we're digging into the information. None of the thing that we're saying is financial advice, um, because yeah. giving financial advice is illegal. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is having a chat, and we're we're saying what we what we know about it. How I've invested, you're saying how about where you, how you've invested. But I just wanted to just put that out, just get that on wax. We're not telling you 100%. what to do with your money in any
2: way, shape, or form. Yeah, this is all for entertainment purposes yes.
0: only. <laughs> it's <just> financial <laughs> opinion, not financial <laughs> advice. Um,
2: exactly.
1: So um, yes. what, what does NFT even stand for then? And, um, <laughs> and what is it?
2: Yes, so NFTs stand for non-fungible tokens. So the way that I like to think about it is that NFTs are scarce digital collectibles as it as its essence so the the most popular example that people like to use is that you know how we have the mona lisa in real life you can just basically think as an nft as a digital version of that if that makes sense and so let me take it back so like what do i mean when i say something is fungible so like a pound coin is fungible in that anywhere in the uk uh, the pound coin kinda of, remains the same constant value. So I can swap my pound coin for your pound coin in your wallet and Reta, and then you can then swap it for um the um uh what her pound coin in her in her wallet and it will remain the same and you can take that, buy a bottle of water in Tesco's, all of that stuff. That's what a pound coin is it's fungible. The price of it remains consistent. Now, what non-fungible means is that the value of an item can fluctuate depending on what the market value people decide to put on it. So something like art, which is subjective, visual artists and musicians are now able to make their art non-fungible. So like, for instance, for example, would be Pokemon cards. People like Logan Paul, um, Gemma, I mean, JME, they absolutely love um, Pokemon cards. They're happy to spend thousands of pounds on a shiny charizard, whereas for me, it's toilet paper, like it means nothing to me. But it's obviously that demographic of people actually love it and would spend that money on it, whereas others won't. And so that's what non-fungible means. And now in this space, because of cryptocurrencies and because of blockchain, it now means that digital assets can now actually have value. And so what I mean by that is that if you have like a JPEG file, an MP3 file, a movie file, anything that you can upload onto Instagram or, or onto the internet. Before, they could just be infinitely replicated. Like, there was no permissions needed. Like, I could sit there, you can upload the picture on your Instagram, I could basically copy and paste that, upload that onto my Instagram, even though it'd be weird, but I could sit there and say that it's mine. I could claim that I took that picture, even though I didn't. Whereas, because now all of these NFTs are on a blockchain, it actually is trackable. People can actually see, oh, you know what, This actually stole that picture or took that picture from Lorraine, I mean, Loretta, sorry. And so because of that, that's not his. And also, uh, there's an extra added layer of NFTs. Because it's all trackable, there's also a thing where you can now, because of smart contracts, have um, a percentage of royalties that
1: you can basically earn in perpetuity as well from the sale of NFTs. So
2: um, hopefully that made makes a bit of sense of where nfts are
1: so what does this mean for artists then and potentially for independent artists and in the future of music um so there's there's three things that is
2: really exciting about which is really exciting about nfts in the music space so first of all it's like it's an extra added revenue um for independent artists and so it basically means like the fall where you have to worry about ways in order to finance any type of projects now, the NFT space or the crypto space allows for an extra revenue source, and that happens through three ways. So the first way is through the collectible layer, which is like pre-launch art form. So you could basically release music or audiovisual pieces, where um, you can put them on auction houses um, on on the blockchain, such as like OpenSea, Rareable, and whatnot, and sell them as NFTs. Um, and then also you can then set a price so let's say like you you're one of your artists like bianco you you create an an nft and then you sell that for one ethereum and then you gamify it in a way so that there's um you add an extra value for people to want to resell it and you can actually put like a 10 percent um uh plus 10 percent royalty on that so if somebody then goes and resells that for like two weeks you as the original NFT holder will always forever own 10% of whatever value is being sold on, for sold for, which is absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. And then obviously then the second layer is through exclusive content. So the great thing about NFTs is that it gives people the opportunity to, or artists the opportunity to unlock any type of content that they have. So whether it be like, unlocking like content on a decentralized media player or, or the token itself represents a song that has never been released to, to the public so and this is something that's really interesting mm-hmm. so for a case for an artist and um, they may have like a lot of live, live edits that they play at their live performances and you can't find those uh, at live edits officially out anywhere in the world um, but you can imagine if you're at a show and then that fan is able to experience that life that live edit of that show, of that song and then a QR code comes up and you can actually scan that QR code on the screen and then the artist gets access to that unreleased content. So that's great because it then means that that fan is also has now got like that extra experience with that, the extra relationship with that fan. I mean that artist so the fan now has that extra relationship with the artist. Get back there. <laughs> and also is now like invested in their brand. Mm. And so, um, and that's another crazy thing that couldn't happen before. And the thing is, is that you can then, as an artist, you can then um, monetize that. So you can put like, like a, a payment gateway on that QR code, in you know, order for them to experience that like video, or you can just give it for free because they've already paid for the ticket and you wanna say thank you. And so that's one way in which um, NFTs can help shape the music industry in that respect. And then the f- third way is through, and um, ownership of rights which is still very early but there's some really cool use cases on that and so this is basically where you can say like similar to what and um, the guys at Bitter are doing Bopulous and also the guys in Switzerland doing with Utopia you Genesis is that they're giving artists the opportunity to pre-finance their work through NFTs and so essentially you can sell your NFT uh, you can sell a project that's coming out before it's out as an nft and you can say that okay for my fans i want to be able to give you let's say 49 royalties on this particular project that's coming out or you've got to do it just buy this nft that represents that song and then you can actually get paid the royalties from it and so that is super interesting and it's something that you're going to start to see mm-hmm. become um, quite regular i mean there's also been cases where um you've got artists in america such as neil dickey he went and sold his publishing for his song called um save that money and it was amazing because basically the publishing that he sold he basically showed like the royalties statements, and he showed that he earned that, um, like two thousand or three thousand dollars a year from that particular song and then he went and sold that as an NFT, and then he was able to get about $30,000 from it. Mm-hmm. So essentially he was able to get 10 years mm-hmm. worth of income upfront as an NFT. And now that then means that the person who went and bought that publishing can now go and shop it around, get sync deals, and then also earn royalties from it. Mm-hmm. And so this is something that um, the NFT space is it's just, that's just one of the many things that kind of NFTs will be bringing into the music industry.
1: Just a quick reminder that we have a growing number of resources and useful videos on our YouTube page. Just search I am independent and you should find us and do follow us on social media on Instagram at we are independent artists and on Facebook under the same. Also on Facebook, you can join our closed group where we're creating community for independent artists to swap ideas, collaborate and just feel extra supported and encouraged. You can find links to everything we do on our website www.iamindependent.co.uk
0: It is exciting for independent artists because the whole thing about being independent is that... The, one of the main things is the control that you have over your career, over the music you make, how you do it, your timelines. And this, this, there's a potential for even more autonomy, even more control over um, the back end, like the money that you can make. Because even being independent, yes, you have um, control, creative control and business control. But then going through, for example, the streaming platforms and things like that, you are still in a system where... You're not getting all of your money you're not you know you don't have access to all of what could be yours, but this um, learning to educate and innovate in this space there's even more potential to have a control and also to have the reward for your for your art and for the work that you do put into creating so um, it is really interesting. do you think that? What level of inevitability do you think there is that this is the way things are going?
2: 100 mm. uh, percent. The thing is, is that um, what people need to understand is that the NFT space isn't exclusive to music or yeah. to art. The NFTs are going to be absolutely everywhere. You're going to be able to tokenize your your cars. You're going to be able to tokenize your holidays. I even bought somebody's soul <laughs> as an NFT. Soul. S o u l. <laughs> yeah, sit for their soul as an NFT just for a laugh. And like this is this obviously that's extreme. Yeah. But the point is is that NFTs you can basically tokenize absolutely anything. And it's just that the the music and entertainment space is like the best use case and the easiest use case and um, that is a lot more tangible for people to understand. So like for instance my company, Soka World. We ended up doing like one of the first music ticketed NFT events in the UK where we went and partnered with um, the guys from, I uh, admit, Ma- the guys called Major League, uh, Major League DJs from South Africa, where we went and did NFT tickets for their first UK headline show. And that was a sold out event. And it was amazing because with this particular um, NFT platform, we were able to get rid of scalping and get rid of um, any type of ticket tabs because everything was on the blockchain. And if people wanted to then resell their tickets, it was all within this app. So that meant that the money kept within the ecosystem. Mm. And it was amazing because like the, the QR codes, they changed every five seconds, mm. which was insane. So you had people have to download these apps in order to get access into the show. And there was all these guys outside saying, oh, so how are we supposed to get, how are we supposed to get in? I was like, Got download the app, and then the craziest thing was is that when the ticket sold, it gave the the people the opportunity to claim those tickets as NFTs in order to show that they were actually at that show, and it then meant that we were then able to either send like little gifts like playlists of the of the night or um, other gifts to say thank you for coming to the show all through this app, and so that's just one thing that of many things that the NFT space or the crypto space can do, and um, so yes, yeah, so in, in other words like. NFTs are here to stay, but how they're going to be implemented is the question. And obviously at this moment in time, there's obviously, there's a lot that needs to kind of develop over time to make it easy for people to use. Cause ultimately you don't really want to be able to go through the nitty gritty of all the different transactions in order to kind of obtain your NFT. You just want to just spend your money or get and then get it. And so we've still got a way to go in order to make that seamless, but yeah, just, that is yeah. not too mm-hmm. far away.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because the thing of, is, it correct me if I'm wrong, that you can only buy an NFT with Ethereum, isn't it? Right now? You can't buy it with actual money. Do you have to convert your money into
2: Ethereum and then spend? Um, so now there are payment gateways where okay. you can actually buy um, cri- um, NFTs with your credit card. And mm-hmm. um, say, so for instance, you've got a great music platform called Serenade. That does it you've got um variable that allows for it then you've got nifty mm-hmm. gateway so it's now starting to become a lot more modern in that sense but obviously if you want to get in early on a lot of these projects you, you kind of have to be a crypto native and mm. um, which again is quite like a, a steep learning curve, yeah. but once you get it and the pain drops, it's, it's no looking back.
0: Literally. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like because I'm wanting uh, my next question was like, where should artists start? But I, <coughs> in my head, I think the beginning when how okay, my route to it was that I was at home for Christmas when some and, and some family members and we were talking about finances and stuff, and they were like, oh my gosh, like. Um, we're talking about investing in general, and then one of them was like, Oh, um, Bitcoin is at like 24,000. 24. <laughs> it's at 24,000, it's going up. Blah, 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 blah. We have to get in, and I was like, What is this? And I, I'd been, I'd heard of it, Bitcoin for so long, and I don't know what clicked that I was ready. But the, the way I got into it is that I had to just educate myself and I had to decide I'm spending the next two weeks and I'm saturating myself in this world and my. The way that I... It's easy for me to learn um, initially in something before I read and do Deep Dive was YouTube. So I... I Some friends are just... There's these couple of people. Just watch them, talk in layman's terms. They're not trying to hype. They're just, like, learn the basics. And I had to just decide that my job for the next two weeks is just to learn about this world. Then after that, I need to set myself up and then I need to invest. And I think... Maybe the place for us to start is to just decide that they're going to go to school and and learn about this world, learn about the terms. Once you just start hearing people talking about it, you you don't understand the conversation that they're having. But then after you, you start your ears acclimatized to the language and then you start, okay that kind of means that. And it just the dots start connecting over time. But I feel like you just literally just have to dive in.
2: What do you think? Uh, uh, 110%. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the, the day you go old is the day that you stop deciding to learn. Yeah. And so you you always got to be open to learning new things. And obviously, at the time, I remember speaking to a lot of people, because when I when a penny drops for me, Best believe I went and spoke to absolutely anyone and everyone. I was a massive crypto evangelist and this was like 2017 and people just didn't get it and I was just like, nah, I'm not going to bother. Mm. And it was annoying for me, but then I realised I needed to be speaking speak in a language that they understood. Mm. So even like, I remember getting my mum into crypto. Mm. <laughs> yeah, my mum, she's doing well on it, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but it's obviously, I, I'm looking after her, her funds at the moment, but... The fact is, it was like she, she trusted me in, in that sense of knowing where to help put her finances, obviously. and But I had to then go through and send her the information that she had to read so that she knew what she was investing in. And so, yeah, the first, obviously the first steps is just spend the time. It's like, what's, what's a couple of hours a day, like one hour is 4% of your day. That's nothing in comparison to watch a video. like the, And there's 10 minute videos, 15 minute videos about what is Bitcoin. What's the blockchain space? Because the the truth is, is that there's going to be a massive generational wealth shift because of crypto. And for me, what coming back to the um, point that I was mentioning earlier, um, the reason why I got into it is because I knew that every generation has that one moment where there's there's massive transfer of wealth. And obviously, in our like our parents' generation, it was the housing market. And then before that you had like the steel trade and then before that it was gold and then before that it was like tulips in Amsterdam or, or whatever. And so for us, and obviously like the generation above me, it was the, um, the dot-com boom. Obviously I was a bit too young in order to get involved in that, but I understood that and I could see that, every, you know, that saying like when things don't repeat themselves, like mm-hmm. life doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay then, so this is obviously going to be the next thing and uh, i thank god that i had the, the the knowledge that he put me in the right place to be able to take that that educated um, jump in order to obviously invest in the space but also spend the time to research it and i pretty much i've done my ten thousand hours on it but i was pretty much just immersed myself in it so that's that's the first step But i wouldn't necessarily say people have to go in and like spend hours and hours on it because it is intense but there are ways that you just have to kind of understand the basics but in terms of artistry and people getting involved in this space, there are some great platforms. Like you've got NFT Tips, we're a great community of people who do some really good stuff, like Clubhouse. Um, and they, they'll sit there and speak to people and give them the opportunity to learn about the space. And if you want to be able to learn more about, um, I don't know, uploading your music onto the blockchain, there's some great platforms like Audius that's just recently come out. Um, they're basically like um, SoundCloud, but for the crypto space, mm-hmm. and obviously a lot of these these companies are all about first mover advantage. And so if you're able to kind of get there, get your music on there, they'll actually pay you in crypto because they obviously wanted to be able to get IP onto their platform. And then obviously if it grows and gets bigger, then obviously you'll be a beneficiary of that. And so that's run by the guys from, um, that's like Access management and stuff. But yeah, so there's like, there's loads of stuff that's happening in the space and that's just like one tip of the iceberg off of it. Um, But yeah, hopefully that's the question.
1: Can I, so I've got a, a question. Um, there's i mean with everything there's an element of risk and even though i mean this just sounds amazing i'm like oh my gosh i really should have listened better but there's a few things that i think i'm going to think about myself i think of myself as a fairly intelligent person forward thinking passionate about music want to succeed Yet i've definitely had some barriers with this one is i think my own money story and what i tell myself about about finances and i think that can um i know des you and i have been on a, a session recently where we were talking about that with power up but I do think sometimes we can think that things like this for us, for a certain kind of person, um, usually middle to upper class, you know, even the whole stocks and shares thing, like you said, there is that was a club before that we weren't necessarily invited to. Um, So I think our own thoughts about it, but also there absolutely is an element of risk. Like you said in passing at the beginning of the conversation, you made a lot of money and then you lost a lot of money. Can you speak a bit about the risks? And also sometimes I think you know, like my my son's only 12 and he literally wants to be an entrepreneur. And he was on this little class he got me to put him on last night. And he was saying, mum, you know, um, you have to do 10 businesses before one succeeds and nine will fail. And I was just like, if someone had told me that, I'm like, no, I, I need something to go right straight away. But I was just like, that is so true. Like the people we know who succeed are willing to fail or willing to have a risk. And I just wondered if you could talk into that because I think even as artists, we're in a business where there's no guarantees, where you have a lot of rejection, but when you have a small amount of time, when you might be doing your artistry alongside the thing that pays your bills, it's it's a big risk, isn't it, to say to your your family? Not only am I gonna, you know, put some of our savings into this album, I'm actually also gonna put some into this new thing that you can't really see, and you know, I can imagine yeah. that being um, a bone of contention for some artists that perhaps have a partner or a family um that are like you know when are you going to grow up and get a proper job <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah uh yeah i know that all too well all too well but as i said for me i kind of had to rephrase reframe that in my head um because obviously i i, I love starbucks and so i'd go into starbucks and i'd spend bonus how much on coffee a week and i just thought you know well, what if i just don't spend that and i'll just put that into crypto like, I remember when I said I wanted to buy a pair of Jordans, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to invest in Jordans. I'm going to invest in, in another crypto or whatever. I pretty much had to put myself in a position of necessarily suffering, but just knowing that I, if I'm going to suffer, I'm going to do it for myself. And I'm going to delay the gratitude. And rather than try and get instant gratitude now, gratification now, I'd rather just wait a few months, a year, a couple of years, and then hopefully it'll it'll um, pay off, and thank God it has. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot did, did it
1: question. put you, when you lost the money, did it put you off? Did it make you think, I'm going to quit now? Did you like, Could you see where it had gone wrong, or was it out of your hands? Because um, to me, if I had to like that, I'd be like, so gutted, I'd be afraid to, to start again. Like, what do you do in terms of that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I put in so much yeah. <laughs> I paid mean, so much money back in 2000. It was I remember it was Christmas 2017, and I remember I just thought you know I'm just gonna go all in, and then I went and put in like uh, like a, a good chunk of my savings into it. Into into remember, Bitcoin or into just crypto in general, a different a different coin. Yeah, in, into yeah into a range of different coins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I just remember I was I was texting my mate and. Um, I mate at the time, and we're like, oh yeah, it's just gone up this way, it's just going up this, it's just going up this, I was like, yeah, we're gonna just going to leave it in, and it's just going to go up forever, and obviously then it came crashing down, and then I just remembered, thinking to myself, you know what, when I decided to put the money in, it was only money that I was willing to lose, mm. and so, if it was going to be going down to zero, that was fine, I was absolutely fine with that, because at least I still knew that I could survive, without working, or whatever, for six months, because that's how I kind of frame it in my head, if I can, if I don't, if I'm unable to work for a minimum of six months, and I've still got money there, then that's fine. So in my head, I still had that um, mm. level of comfort. So it wasn't, it wasn't that I was um, that it kind of deterred me. If anything, it spurred me on because I then need to understand why did that happen, what what could I've done to prevent that from happening again. And that's when I found out about the cycles, about the Bitcoin cycles, and how every time the Bitcoin halving happens. A year later, the altcoin markets and the Bitcoin, the crypto markets just booms. But then obviously anything that comes up very quickly has to come back down. And so when I learned that, I was like, okay, so I I went and went heavy at the peak. And that's not what I should have done. Mm. And so that was when I then learned, okay, then uh, cost, um, cost average buying cost is cost average, what yeah. I should have done. Yeah. And so that's pretty much, so I kind of reframed how I did it. Rather than being scared from the market, which a lot of people would have done, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to make this market my friend and understand how I could benefit from it, even if it takes another three, four years for me to make my money back. And so that's pretty much what I did. So every week after when the market was a bear market for three, four years, I was just putting in spare change. It would be like £50, £100, any kind of... I remember when I got one of my artists signed... I've got the advance, I put that straight into crypto, because so I was like, I don't want to touch that. And that's done very, very well. And that was like a couple of years back. Oh. And so I pretty much cost averaged in for a long time, and also tax implications as well, because because they're seen as investments long-term, um, I'm only getting capital gains tax on it, which is obviously lower than income tax. Um, so for me, it was, that's how I would feel a lot more comfortable, because as, you, like, as I said, I could spend £5, £10 a day on Starbucks, But then imagine just putting that into crypto, it's forgettable, you know, and so and now when I look at my portfolio, I'm like, okay, I'm glad that I made that sacrifice for three, four years. Um, And then obviously since then, because it was just a hobby, it's kind of developed into something a lot more significant because obviously I was doing my PhD, I'm still doing my PhD, but I was doing my PhD and there's a lot of crossing over within the crypto space and obviously the IP space. And so I was like, okay, then I can actually see the future in this. So it's not necessarily a waste of my time. I shouldn't be scared. I should basically go all in. And um, so, yeah, so that's how I basically um, overcome that issue of me losing a lot of finances. I just didn't scare away. I just restructured my thinking around it.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I think what some of the things that I've taken away from what you just said was that, um, first of all, you didn't put in money that you weren't that you weren't afraid to lose. So you didn't, like take loans out to put into crypto, which some people don't do that, but some people do, Um, or like exact, putting, you know, everything to live on or money that you put away for something else. You didn't put it all, we didn't put money that you would really, it would hurt you to lose into crypto. And I think that's one of the, one of the main things um, to take away don't do that and I just wanted to pick out some of the terminology that you was using you said um, cost averaging um, um, I usually hear it I usually hear Americans say dollar cost averaging and it just means that you are putting in money in you're investing into crypto every day or every week and you're doing it whether the market's up or down you're doing it all the time you're doing it like all year round. And you're doing it all year round for however long years. So then what it means that you're always you're not waiting for the market to dip to invest. Um, You're investing whether it's high, whether it's low. So then you're going to end up making profits all the time because you're going to get it when it's low and you're still putting money in when it's high. Um, You just put money in all the time. So you're not you're not trying to predict the market and study the market. You're just like, I'm putting in a little bit all the time. It's like my savings savings account. I'm putting in £5 a day or £20 a week. And that's what I'm doing. Come rain, come shine. That's what cost averaging is or dollar cost averaging is.
2: Um, Yeah. Because with that, just to add, mm. with the crypto space, how you beat the markets, it's not about time in the market. Like figuring out, oh, I've got to wait till it goes down to buy in. It's about time in In the the market. market. So the longer the longer time you spent in the market, the, profit, the most profitable you're going to be. It's just a fact. That is just a fact. And I've tried to I've tried to trade. I'm not a trader. I ain't got time to trade. Like these guys are absolutely insane who are able to have that mindset to go in and out of the market. I'm not that person. I've got too many other things to be doing with my life. But I can just put money in and forget about it, and then come back in about six weeks or six months or whatever, and be like, oh, okay, I forgot about that. Oh, it's done okay that I can do Mm. and so it's about being able to find a way to kind of get involved that is not going to take over your life and it's the thing is is that if you've invested if you're constantly looking at your app or your phone all the time for the price to increase or whatnot you've invested too much Mm. (laughs) that's that's the thing that I've learned because for me success is being able to sleep well at night and if I can't sleep well at night because I'm sat there on my phone all the time looking at what's happening in the markets, then I'm not successful. So that's another point to, to make sure, like, don't invest too much. And you know how much you've invested you've in risked too much is if you're constantly looking at your phone and you can't sleep. Yeah. So, yeah, that's another point. Absolutely.
1: Uh, I wanted to just ask you about the, the artist management. I mean, you've had such an interesting journey. I mean, from, uh, what was it, biochemist, virologist? That's crazy to, to, you know, all of this knowledge about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. How does your artist management fit in that? And I mean, obviously, many of us know it's difficult to make a living out of music. And you seem like a person who wants kind of almost with the risks, but sure bets, whereas music is one of those things. You can invest a lot in, and and there's, yes, there's that we all know the things about being excellent, and obviously our whole podcast and I am independent is about setting artists up to succeed. But also, it's such a subjective thing. It's such a crazy business. Like, people I've spoken to who are in other businesses and then come to the music industry say, what is this? What else runs in this way? So, you know, what were your thoughts? How did you become an artist manager? And what are your thoughts looking at this business model compared to the other fields you've worked yeah. in?
2: Yeah, I think... So initially I was before I got into highest management I used to be a session musician, so I used to play drums and piano. Mm. So that's how I kind of got into Archbishop.
1: You're basically the male Beyoncé, aren't you, Des? Like <laughs> you you have twenty five hours in your day or something like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I get bored easily. Um but yeah, so what happened was um long story cut short, I ended up dislocating my shoulder and it meant that I couldn't play drums. And so the artist that I was going to play drums for, I just said to them, Look, um i've got there's not much i can actually do i'm off work or whatnot so um i'll just look after you because i didn't have management at the time and then long story cut short i ended up getting a couple of them signed to sony rca in a week um and that was interesting because in my head i was like oh so it's weird as it sounds it was that easy but it wasn't because it was like they they trusted the team that i was with and the music that we were making was hot it was great music and that was like my baptism in fire because I kind of realised, okay, then I'm in the music industry now, but I still had like a long way to go. But then working with artists, I realised is that they're quite fleeting in the nicest way possible in the sense that um, you can't really rely on them in order to make money because it's they have the highest of the percentages. And so obviously if they make money, you make money. And I just did not like those odds. politely, <laughs> put um, I didn't like forcing... I actually do certain things, and a lot of them were quite um, headstrong with how they felt like their music should be used, and how they felt like they should go as artists. Um, and so, because of that, that was when I kind of thought, okay, then I had to think of other ways in order to make income. And like with many artists, like all the biggest brands, like Rihanna, she's she became a billionaire because of Fendi, not through music. Obviously, music helped to get to that point, but it was other parts of her business that made her her finances likewise with jay-z likewise with Rick Ross. likewise with a lot of these artists within our community they make money through other means and then they use music as a passport in order to get them into through certain doors and so that's how i kind of envisioned it and so i thought to myself okay then if that's the case music is always going to be there i'm always going to love it i'm always going to be able to help it but it wasn't designed to make money it's it's kind of wrong in order to in my head I feel like it's wrong in order to tell somebody that your music is worth X Y and Z. You should let leave that to the fans to decide. And but because we live in this society, they're the rules and it's been the norm for years. Which I just and that's part of the reason why I started going down the route of doing my PhD because when um, I was at the time I was managing this French DJ duo and we went and released a song. It was about well, about six years ago, and I remember it went. They got like a, a million streams on uh, Spotify, and in my head I thought, Oh my gosh, a million streams! That must mean it's one pound per stream. Like we're millionaires. <laughs> and, then, and afterwards, I, when I um, went to label and asked them about how it was that we were getting paid for it, they they couldn't tell me. And I was like, Okay, then I went to the streaming services. I asked them how's it that we're getting paid from streams. They said that oh, we can't tell you because we've got NDAs. I was like, so how am I supposed to understand something that's directly affecting my back pocket, but I'm not allowed to know about it? It just didn't make sense to me. And so me being an inquisitive person, I I ended up just speaking to a whole bunch of different people and they were all having the same issues or just trying to figure it out. And then I ended up approaching Annabella Coldrick from the MNF and I was just speaking to her about it and she was like, and um, there's somebody um, who's doing a, um, is an IP professor in Edinburgh University who's doing some sort of research around this. I can put you in contact with her. So she went and put me in contact with my now supervisor, Sweetie Kerrida, who absolutely amazing IP and lecturer. And pretty much we're just going back and forth, just talking about ideas. And she was like, oh, if you're interested in applying for a PhD, um, you should definitely go ahead and do it and apply for the scholarship. And so I was like, at the time I was in tour, and I just thought, you know, I don't really think I, I've got the time for it. But then at the same time, I'm not somebody to kind of shy away from a random opportunity. <laughs> so I just thought, yeah, why not? Why not do a PhD in law? I don't have a legal background, but I might as well. <laughs> so I applied, and I ended up getting the scholarship. And so yeah, I'm now doing my PhD at um, University of Edinburgh, looking at like remuneration rights for artists, and basically trying to figure out how streaming should be defined under UK law, because at the moment, I was, I'm sure you guys are aware, um, we just had like the DCMS inquiry that looked into um, whether, um, well, basically how streaming should be, whether the splits and streaming is fair. And so, um, yeah, I've been basically doing research on this for the past four years. So I've got two years left of my PhD. Um, and yes, at the moment, I'm just speaking to different stakeholders to basically find out how they feel like streaming should be defined. And hopefully I'll be able to come up with a thesis where I, I look at all the laws, because basically I've spent like the past four years basically looking at like the conversations and the laws that were being had like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, that kind of led us to this point, and it's so funny because like there's so many crossovers in in the crypto space, and so this is part of the reason why I was like, okay then, so this is where the industry is going to have to go, because it's not sustainable, Mm. like there's such a massive imbalance, but that's another conversation in itself, Um, so Yeah. yeah, so that's that's me in a nutshell. That's so cool. Um,
0: so my question I had a question about that. What do you think? How what is your what's your take on artists right now? If you if if you as an artist right now, an independent artist right now, how much weight do you think they should put in streaming the streaming of their music? Um and obviously there's more than the financial benefit of putting your music out there um and like what should what what should an artist be focusing on in terms of their energies? Obviously there's the creation of the music and then but in terms of putting it out and just their whole career like a lot of time you spend on in online streaming, trying numbers, marketing, all those different things i don't know i don't know if it's kind of kind of a big question or a, a question that's hard to answer but um if you was nice right now how yeah. would you cut your time up or your energy
2: or your focus um well first it depends on the, the genre of music yes that you make um that is the biggest thing because obviously some genres benefit better through streaming than others yeah. and um obviously like it's a science, like the, the whole stream model. It's there's an equation to what works. Like you get paid after thirty seconds, so why are you there going to make music for five minutes? <laughs> you might as well make music that is short. So if you're doing like um, contemporary urban pop, black music, or whatever, that is quite short. Keep it short and snappy so that you can get constant streams, um, so that you can kick in the algorithms so that you're part of that that club that gets like a million monthly listeners because that's basically what you want. You want market share. That's the name of the game if you're wanting to play that that game. But if you're somebody who's creating music that is um, like acoustic or folk or something along those lines, then obviously you want to be able to stream well. But streaming isn't really from my research anyway, is unless you're a particular artist with a particular stature, if you're brand new, obviously the gigging circuit is really where you're going to make a name for yourself. And so you want to be able to, but then it's a catch-22 because like agents are always like, oh yeah, so what's your streaming like? And so they look at your stats, which is a bit BS. But then if you're sick and you've got like a great show and you've got great energy and people can see the potential, they will often take a a punt on you. And especially if your music is integral. And so this is where yeah so mm. one yeah, it depends on the the genre of music but for myself um, yeah you have to you really do have to think about the game that you wanted to play mm. because it's a it's a business and so you have to play the game of being able to be perceived as great in order to get to get there because it's not about necessarily faking it to you make it it's about faking it to you making it because people can actually see that. They can feel that if it's something that's integral, maybe you've got a lot of integrity in music, and the music will always do the speaking. But Obviously, it's a case of how do you then get out from the rest? How do you become, like, noticeable? And that comes from being able to tap into whatever community your genre of music is about. And then if you're the best in that community, then it's easy to kind of uplift, because the music is all about collaborations. Mm-hmm. People, with somebody's doing great in this other sector, they'll be happy to collaborate with somebody else in another sector if they're on that same wavelength and it's about basically being able to play that game of collaboration and that's what I've seen has being able to work effectively especially in this this era of like so much information that's hard to kind of disseminate Mm, so yeah interesting. Mm, interesting
1: I think as well you know like like you said when you were talking about um you know the cycles of things in life in general particularly financial as well and and it, it, i think it is becoming more and more clear that the system we've got at the moment with streaming in the way that it is 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 it can't stay how it is uh, and that is going to change um in light of that where do you think that artists should be investing their time? Because in some ways, to me, the answer is obvious because music and art has always been there and it always involves somebody writing great music and performing great music, really, that that's it. Um, and it's how we serve it up. But in terms of the landscape, as much as you could perhaps predict what's happening or um, or see, um, again... Where do you think artists? I mean, it's slightly um, repeating Bianca's question, but with a certain, you know, a bit of a different emphasis.
2: Yeah, ultimately, it just comes down to the music. Like when I when I sit there and think about all the songs that have done great on like the viral charts from like TikTok, or I'm like, gonna look at chart metrics and I see what's what's been quote popping or being most popular. All of them have been great songs. Like, that's something that's undeniable. I mean, you can use as many, like, tricks in order to gain people into to listen to your music. But if your music is not great, I mean, you, you can't <laughs> you can't shine a turn, you know, if it's crap, it's crap.
1: That's really comforting, <laughs> actually, isn't it? To actually know that, that it comes down to the strength of great music and great artistry.
2: Oh, 100%. Like, if you love a song, if people love a song, they're going to share it. If people love a movie, they're going to share it. And obviously how we receive that has changed over time. And so you've got to make it pal- palatable for the, obviously, the apps and stuff. But if it's great, it's great. Like, yeah, that, that you can't, you cannot change that. Just a great song. Um, and people have it. If you've done it once, you can do it again. You've got it in you. So that that one that's one thing that I'm definitely more, most happy about, that that's never going to change, ever.
1: That's
0: so cool. I could literally keep talking about this stuff for a long time, um, but I'm really, I'm really grateful to have this like initial conversation. And I know that we'll be introduce, we'll have introduced this topic to a, a, a bunch of our listeners. It will be new to them, and hopefully, it's inspiring and inspired them to like get on the rabbit trail, like because it, it is, it is the future. Um, I mean, I wanted to, like, do something, like, a quick... Um, if you could define some terms really quickly, like, in, like, a sentence or two, just just to, like, help artists just have, like, a... OK, that, this means that. And you did it quite well, well quite well, excellently, with the non-fungible tokens. It wasn't, like, two sentences, but it was necessary. <laughs> um, what, what would you say, if you was to define... Blockchain. Yeah, it's not. It's not two sentences. But like, you know, um, how would you define the blockchain?
2: Uh, in sh- as short as possible. <laughs> yeah. tricky. <laughs> um, trans- sorry. Transparent, immutable transactions. Yes.
0: So it's a place. Oh, this is my definition. It's a place where you can. Make transactions. You can make exchanges and um, perform transactions that you can prove. Um, see, it's hard to explain. Where well, you can prove yeah. um, um, the transaction, you can validate the transaction, and you can't lie that it happened
2: because there yeah. is proof
0: of what you've yeah. done.
2: On how that. I like to describe, yeah, how I like to describe it, it's receipts.
0: Receipts, receipts brother.
2: Set, <laughs> It's Receipts. The blockchain's receipts that don't go away, so it's there for everybody to see. So you can lie, but the receipts are there. Yes, that is actually perfection. Receipts. <laughs> it's the place
0: where you can just pull out your receipt, um, and so Facebook is like calling themselves Meta, now, um, the Metaverse
2: metaverse oh my gosh i've been in meetings oh all the last week about this um metaverse it's it's real life online yes cool yeah so imagine being able to like go onto an app and then walk to domino's pizza as an avatar and order your pizza Yes, that's the metaverse yeah. like you could go and have parties and like i've been to so many parties and meetings on the metaverse it's been insane mm-hmm. and like you walk up to people chat to them and then you walk away and you, can, you can't can barely hear them and it's funny because i'll be like my avatars is like random be like i'll be like a white girl one day i'll be like a chinese person the next day like it's just it's there's so many it's so it's beautiful because it's like you can just be anybody in any, anything that you want. Like I was like a, a dog one day as
0: well. It was just yeah, that's that's the wow. metaverse. So. Wow. <laughs> yes. Crazy. That is crazy. Um I think the I don't know what other ones just two two more quick ones. And you kind of mentioned it. Um the bear market and the bull market.
2: Okay. So how I was taught about bear and bull markets so bulls have horns and when they attack they go up so that means that the market is going up bears they have claws and when they attack they go down and so that means that the market's going down so that's bear market bull market yeah man so good
0: i think i'll leave it there because as i said i could speak about this for ages but i don't want you guys to switch off so um thank you so much do you have anything else you wanted to ask
1: i was just gonna say uh, des i know you know that your your business is a lot of um what you're investing your time in um is that something that you want to advertise and let artists know the services that you do them and how they can get in touch Yeah, sure say as i
2: said um my um, creative agency is called Soga World, we create NFTs for labels, brands, artists, you name it, like we, we've spoken to a lot of people about this space. So yeah, so you can get in touch. My name is Des uh, and my email is des at World. And um, if you want to be able to learn more about crypto and what it is that we're doing in crypto, just send me a message. And the thing is that we're doing, I won't get into it now because I'm doing dynamic, dynamic NFTs and that's in a whole other sector yeah. of it, but yeah. We, we're basically on the edge. Like, I kind of pride myself on being on the forefront of anything crypto-related. Like, wow. if there's something that's news that's coming out, I pretty much, I know about it. So, yeah, that's what I pride myself on. <laughs>
1: This, i've learned so much um i really feel like i need i'm gonna take myself to school now like bianca's gonna be like fine i've been telling you this for a year des says it and you do it straight away but yeah thank you so much it's been so helpful um i still don't quite know how oh yeah and you just threw having a new baby into the mix of everything else You've ever, in case anyone thinks you're just this bachelor in a studio by yourself and that's how you manage this no you also managed to be a family man <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yeah if that's tough that, oh, thank you. So
1: much. that's your hardest that's job tough. right oh, and it doesn't stop
2: literally it doesn't stop, it doesn't stop. <laughs> <But> yeah <laughs> shout out to my missus she's
1: she's,
2: she's doing a great
1: job well congratulations on all your achieving and thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us about this yeah and we'll put all of
0: your links and the information in the show notes so um, people can check out your business and all things you're doing
1: oh we're going to do What's our three that? questions B. Yeah, do you want
0: to? Maybe yeah, just we, maybe we it's not, like two or so. Or like, or like
1: yeah, two. well, well yeah. we we basically realised that three is a bit harsh to ask people. So two. So the the two questions are two highlights of your career so far. You can choose which career, <laughs> uh, and then the other one. Two things that people might be surprised to know about you. <laughs> okay, so
2: two things of each.
0: Or yeah. one, or whatever, yeah. whatever comes to you. Okay
2: highlights of my career? Well I suppose it was, so my first highlight was when I got my first act signed because he was like this 14 year old kid who was from South London
1: and he had an amazing voice and just that process of hearing
2: him in the studio for the first time to then getting in to film producer video to then getting in um, a deal was, that was great, especially from somebody who, who should be part of this. Yeah, that was that was amazing. And then I suppose the first time, yeah, first time going abroad for a show for one of the acts that I looked after. Yeah, that was fun. That was really, really fun. Um, And then something that people don't know about me, um, I've been to all the wonders of the world.
1: Mm, That is a cool one.
2: Yeah, that is a cool
0: one. Thank you so much, Des. Almost Dr. Des yeah she's <laughs> still got some time <laughs> you're going to do it, but thanks for talking to us, and we hope to have you back on again, especially as the industry continues to move. It'd be great to talk to you again
1: hundred percent thank right. you thanks. <laughs>
0: And don't forget to sign up to our mailing list where you'll receive a free 10 day guide, especially designed to inspire and equip independent music artists with some really useful, practical, and inspirational resources.
1: Sign up at www.iamindependent.co.uk. For more great content from I Am Independent, find us on social media at We Are Independent Artists. Check out our Spotify playlist for new music from independent artists. Search We Love Independent Music.